blinking lights ever make you stop in the middle of an intersection, uh, you might be in front of a crossing atom. And if you ever see a penguin sliding down its belly down I-76, and uh, you see a person standing on top of it riding it like a surfboard, then you might be looking at Aaron. And this is Keenan and Kel with Adam and Aaron, the Keenan and Kel podcast where we talk about Keenan and Kel, the 90s Nickelodeon sitcoms Keenan and Kel. <laughs> and we make terrible jokes and show the world that our improv is terrible. <laughs> yeah, uh, zero practice uh, coming at you right live. <laughs> but that's why we review the show, review Keenan and Kel, and don't make our own. <laughs> uh, we, we review Keenan and Kel and Keenan and Kel accessories, which is what I would call this episode. <laughs> This is going to be a short episode, a short little uh, installation of Keenan and Kel with Adam and Aaron, where we talk about a few fun things, but uh, not a full-size episode. So no. just to keep you keep your palate Keenan and Kelly. Yeah. As uh, ooh, that sounds like a sequel. Keenan and Kelly. Ke- yeah, Keenan's child and uh, <laughs> Kel's daughter. Yeah. No, I, you heard my pitch. Remember? Uh, did I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For for a spinoff series. All right. I heard your pitch. Uh, what was it called again? Uh, uh, Sorry, I, I didn't study your pitch. <laughs> I didn't memorize it. I'll be honest, I, I forget what the names of <laughs> that I gave them. So I can't really blame you, can I? Let's talk about some Keenan and Kel news to start. Big news in the Keenan and Kel universe. Keenan Thompson has received a star. He's received a star, yes. Uh, it's actually in the Pleiades constellation. <laughs> and he is now a prime owner of outer space real estate. Yeah, he, he's on a mission at the moment uh, to travel to the said star. A mission that should take him the next uh, 8.3 million years. <laughs> <laughs> Which is as long as this podcast will air. Yeah, we're we're actually broadcasting it into space as we speak. <laughs> Keenan uh, Thompson has received the 2,728th star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. That's what he put in his Instagram post. Mm-hmm. 2,720th. Yeah, there are a lot, <laughs> if you can believe it. Adam, what does it take to get a Hollywood star? Uh, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to downplay Keenan. In this moment, Let, let's let's talk him up, then we'll talk explain what how to get a star. Then we'll talk him down. Yeah, yeah, because this is a this is a fundamentally amazing moment for him and all his family. Uh, did you see any of the, the footage from the, the event? Oh yeah, I, I shared one of the pictures of mm-hmm. him with his daughters, daughters plural, right? Yeah, his two daughters. They're there on on uh, standing in front of the star. That was just a sweet moment. Yes, super sweet moment. And he's also uh, like there were speeches performed right by JB Smoove. Leslie Jones and Josh Server. Right. Do you know who Josh Server is? I am supposed to, but I don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I saw him. I'm like, oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, no, he uh, he was on all that with with Keenan and Kel. That's what I thought. That's what I figured. He, yeah. His thing back in the day was doing kind of like a he he did like a Jim Carrey style of like performance. He played Fizz in Good Burger. Oh, perfect. He also uh, played, uh, I think, it was Phil. On the, the Phil and Allison episode at the end of season three of Keenan and Kel. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, poem, sweet poem. So right. that that was his uh, that's his Keenan and Kel connection. He had a lovely speech, uh, kind of uh, talking up the great things that Keenan has done as a person and as a performer. Keenan Thompson, I mean, uh, we mentioned this last episode, longest performer on SNL. Nineteen right. years, I believe. 
19, yeah, he got the gig in 2003. That's a tremendous amount of time. That's a hard gig, and it's a hard gig to kind of like stay a profession, like a, a seasoned vet at that continues to get funnier and funnier. But he's done it. Yeah. Um, he, he's exceptional. He has his own sitcom. Uh, which two seasons and that's it. But I mean, <laughs> hey, he's trying different things. Of course, he has success from all that. Keenan and Kel and Good Burger. Yes. Uh, but he is a seasoned actor and producer and sketch comedian. Uh, there was one omission uh, at the uh, at, at the ceremony that many people have noted online is that Cal Mitchell himself was not able to attend. Oh, no. Cal has written about that. Uh, in a, a lovely Instagram post that I would like you to, to, to check out. All right, here is the message from I am Kel Mitchell. Congratulations, Keenan, on getting your star. I can't stop smiling. So happy for you. So about two months ago, I was asked to speak at my brother, Keenan Thompson, Walk of Fame ceremony, a moment I definitely didn't want to miss. And I was so honored that he wanted me to speak at the ceremony. But I was booked to shoot a movie out of the country and because of scheduling and safety reasons, I couldn't fly back for the ceremony today. Of course, Keenan knows this information. We spoke as soon as I found out. But I wanted to share this info with everybody to put to rest any rumors as to why I couldn't make it. <laughs> Love you, Keenan. Continue to let your light shine. And it was also announced this week that you are hosting the Television Academy Emmy Awards. Such a blessed week, bro. Let's go. To God be the glory. God bless you always, bro. Continued success and blessings. Legendary. Yes. I really... And then... Oh, go, go ahead, please. Uh, Keenan, respond. That wig! Man, thank you, bro. I'm sad you're not here, but we're always together in spirit. Crush that movie and keep going with 573 likes. Cal is filming a movie in Canada right now, wearing a wacky wig. And uh, so he's, he's he's occupied with that. So I'm I think this is a very great capstone on our last episode, the Keenan versus Absolutely. Kel saga. Like there was some drama about how Kel wasn't shouted out once, and like a, a speech that Keenan did, like you know, ten years ago. But in the in Keenan's acceptance speech, he speaks on Kel and like how how great their partnership was. Oh, did he? Yeah, he did. He, he mentions oh, that. That's wonderful. I should have listened to it. Uh, I feel like a terrible Keenan and Kel uh, connoisseur. To put a bow on top, uh, there's a picture from the events featuring Keenan, and do you know who else is in this? Oh, yeah. That is uh, that is Teal. Yep. That is uh, Ken Forey. Mm-hmm. Is that Kyra? Uh, yeah, that's Vanessa Baden. <laughs> yep. Um, and uh, you might not recognize the other two, but those are Kel's parents. Kel's real parents were, were invited to the events. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> That's so wholesome, right? That he's is like, so wholesome. In his speech, he's like, Kel could make it, but uh, his parents are here. <laughs> so, Oh, but, that's uh, beautiful. Yeah, the, the Rock Wars are back together again. Oh, that's a that's a, just a fantastic thing. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm so, it's, so, it's so amazing. I didn't think I would ever see anything like that, like, ever again. <laughs> I know, right? I wonder if the Keenan and Kel podcast sh uh, <laughs> was top of conversation at their uh, their dinner table. Uh, Teal has does know about of us. I know, I know, I, very very possible. Yeah, no, I th that'd be incredible. Uh, so you know, uh, here I'm glad they had such a, a blessed and wonderful uh, event, and uh, uh, you know, wish, wish the best for Keenan going forward and all the stars in his life. Absolutely, yeah. It seems like a very um, rewarding experience for Keenan, but he, he handled it really humbly. Like, I, I loved his uh, tuxedo jump in the pool. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. And it, it was it was just super super wholesome, and you know you, you got to expect that. Like we mentioned earlier, Keenan and Keller are like forty three, right? Mm-hmm. 43, Both 44. of them can can like their careers are still kind of you know midway point. Maybe they have a lot left in the tank. Um, I think it would be you know Keenan has so much success. Kel, of course, you know we know has has struggled through the years, but is also like on the upswing with his his pastoring, but also look, he's making a movie. So, you know, who knows what could happen in the future when these two could just continue their, their careers and, um, enter- entertainment careers. I mean, who knows? Maybe we could have another kind of reunion. I hope that's what they were talking about there, honestly. I hope they're like, you know, hey, hey, Keenan and Kel <laughs> reunion. Well, you know, it would have been really cool if Kel was able to make it because that would have been like the perfect chance at a reunion. You know, <laughs> like like a little uh, a little Keenan and Kel reunion. But I guess we got to keep hoping, right? Yeah, uh, this is this is how these projects start. There's little inklings. That's what uh, happened on the, uh, the Tonight, Tonight Show. <laughs> It's like the two of them were like side by side. Next thing you know, they were producing all that together. Right. And I mean, you know, Keenan hanging out with Kel's parents, like that's, <laughs> Kel's definitely feeling like, oh man, I missed out. I don't think I have any other friends that I would like them close enough to do that with. <laughs> Can you <Right>. imagine? <laughs> are there any parents in your life that are outside of the family that you would invite? Just inviting the parents? Maybe a couple, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> that's pretty, that's pretty special. Yeah. It's very special. Uh, but uh, enough about looking to the future. Let's take a look in the past. Yeah, so we have... I, w- I was so begrudgingly uh, unsmitten by the... The Steve Harvey show. By the Steve Harvey show, yeah. I just did not like the characters. And so I... Uh, I Aaron, I, d- I did my homework. I, I got out my uh, my Sherlock Holmes cap and, and magnifying glass. And I went searching for every occasion that there are of... Uh, not just Keenan and Kel, but of... Keenan Rockmore and Kel Kimball. And boy, I uncovered one of Lost Piece of Media here uh, from an episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Uh, yeah, so, okay. If you have never seen Sabrina the Teenage Witch, uh, you don't need to. <laughs> no, right, you do not. At, at, the, at the best, it's a forgettable... Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, okay, let me, let, me, let me talk about it, okay? Yeah, please. At best, it tries to be full house without the cast. And with a premise that is too supernatural to even be remotely relatable. Yeah, uh, with Sabrina, it was that same kind of ABC formula that produced shows like uh, like Full House. And it was a powerhouse. It was very popular for, for a long period of time. I think in no small part thanks to the star power of Melissa Joan Hart. I, I watched this full episode a, a couple months back when I was, when I was doing my research, Aaron. And like, I was warmly reminded of this, this program. I'll be honest. I was warmly reminded as well. And then uh, the show just happened so fast. Like <laughs> yes. there was there was so much that happened. I watched the whole episode uh, just this this day. Oh, this, okay. This, this oft eve. And wow, Keenan and Kel definitely were the stars of the show, even for their 30 seconds of fame. Yeah, their, their clip is about 30 seconds, like kind of right in the middle of the episode, as an aside, basically. Almost like a, like a Family Guy style like, cutaway. Which is great that they did it. Yeah, it's cool that they did it, and it's literally Keenan and Cal playing like their characters. In a situation that actually happened yeah. in the Keenan and Cal universe. Right. So let's, let's talk about it, Adam. What's the situation of Sabrina in this episode. Tell me the plot up to this moment where we meet Keenan and Kel. <laughs> okay, uh, let's see. So S- Sabrina, she lives with her two magical aunts, Aunt Hilda and Aunt Zelda. 
and basically one's all firm and one's all like kind of loosey-goosey and she's been playing them off each other and getting permission from one another to go on like parties behind their backs right and so after the second she went to a concert and then she went to a a, a club at the science or the science club party quote unquote quote unquote but it was more of a, a meeting as aunt zelda thought it um anyways Sabrina's in big trouble, and so ants have this bright idea to send Aunt Hilda away. Uh, yes, to, to split up kind of her household times. Uh, right. So Aunt Hilda moves to a, a mirror image townhouse of the same uh, of the same mansion that the that they grew up in. We didn't mention that uh, this show is about a a, a magic family of uh, of, of witches, which basically just solves all of your uh plot issues. You know, like it's a really lazy show in that way. I do think that the magic is semi-consistent throughout it, but it's often like, you know, to make a problem that they solve that episode. Yeah, and it all just happens so fast in 20 minutes. Oh yeah. Um Anyways, what what happens is now Sabrina is called before the witches council, yes. which is this kind of funky like uh, like in the sky <laughs> council of witches, and she is told that she has to make a choice of who to live with, Aunt Hilda or Aunt Zelda. I love the uh, the concept and the appearance of the witches council. They're all in, like the, all these crazy outfits. Yeah, it seems like a Spy Kids like <laughs> trope. That's a that's a good way of doing it. Did you recognize the uh, th- the main like um, kind of the person leaving the council? No, uh, that's a uh, RuPaul, uh, known for RuPaul's Drag Race. Okay, yes. Well, well, he does dress up later in the episode. <laughs> yep. So uh, hence the yeah, that's pretty much the connection there. Okay. Yeah, looks quite fantastic, might I add. But, oh yeah. Yeah. So so <laughs> ba- he basically gives Sabrina the option to look into the future. What is her life going to look like if? if she lives with Aunt Hilda and what's her life going to look like if she lives with Aunt Zelda. And basically they're both terrible. But before that, he's trying to demonstrate what this magical orb, this what if orb does. Mm-hmm. And that's when she says, uh, what if Keenan and Kel won the lottery? And so then it cuts to a clip of Keenan and Kel as if they won the lottery. Yeah. Uh, not from the Keenan and Kel episode, the lottery. This is a new scene, a new set, new yeah. hairstyle for Kel. Oh, yeah, uh, he's got uh, his cornrows going, which I, I think he only had, like, between seasons of Keenan and Cal. My guess is this was filmed between seasons two and three, based on the timeline. The episode aired in May of 1998. Season two ended airing December 97. So that's that's where I'm getting that from. Okay. Anyways, uh, they win the lottery, and Kel's, like, looking for stuff in the dishwasher, it seems, or in the sink. And then Keenan comes over and is basically like, where's the ticket? Where's <laughs> yes. the ticket? How'd you lose the ticket? And you can tell from the surroundings, they have clearly torn up this kitchen. Oh, already. it's a mess. Yeah, it's I've got a theory mess. once we get to the end of this, but a couple theories, in fact, for this 30-second comedy <laughs> scene. Uh, and so then we, we cut, like, it, it cut scenes, right? And then it's like back to Kel's making a sandwich, and Keenan goes like, what are you doing? I, I'm hungry. And then he's like, Keep looking. Uh, and what does Keenan do? He finds the ticket. Woohoo! Like, he finds it, he kisses it, he slaps it. He's so excited. And then he places it down with a smack on uh, on Kel's half-made sandwich, on the right on his ham. Yeah, and then he runs out the door to get Kel, who had left the, the room. Kel, Kel. As he leaves, Kel returns. And what does Kel do? Puts about a half of a head of lettuce <laughs> on, on, on this sandwich, picks it up, takes a bite out of it, and Keenan comes in and, and it's like, what? Oh, because Kelly ate the lottery ticket. <laughs> that that is the the, the sequence here. 
<laughs> yeah, a great job finding this piece, Adam. It was like it was just a a brief moment in time. Did you remember watching that on TV? I do remember watching it. I'll, I'll oh be my honest. god! I, I remember seeing this like little bits, and I'm like, man, weren't they on an episode there? And like looking up. Keenan and Kel cameos on, on on Sabrina. Like no one talks about this. Like it's not listed on IMDb. It's nowhere. I, it's like I there's like half a second in a Sabrina the Teenage Witch uh, like guest stars. Because uh, by the way, uh, lo- loaded cast. They, they they've had like you know the Backstreet Boys and every every like celebrity of the era was on Sabrina. At wow. Some point. What was it? CBS. Uh, ABC. ABC, sorry. Yeah. I apologize, networks. <laughs> yeah, nice job finding it. Um, I can't believe your. I think your brain's broken. The fact that you remember <laughs> things like this. Like, how do you remember that? I don't know what to tell you, but I do, in my memory, I will say, I do recall it being a little bit longer. And my first theory to you is that I feel like there's a longer film scene here, and they oh. cut it for time uh, to oh, fit into the rest of the episode. Absolutely. Yeah, no, they were definitely going for like two minutes here, at least. <laughs> Yeah, uh, because the the place is first of all the kitchen's already torn up. It's our, like I feel like it might have started in a totally fine kitchen, and then looking for it, they like threw some boxes aside and all that. Right, and I mean you know, it's already they're already like mid tearing things up as you've cut to it, and, and like they cut a couple times. There's a cut in the middle, which is crazy. It's thirty seconds, and like <laughs> between fifteen at the fifteen second mark, there's like a flip pan. Yeah, well the thing that bothers me about it is. It just seems like the whole episode is rushed. That's a really good point that that you had, and you you can see this watching the whole thing through. But it's like, man, they like squeeze like you know at least thirty forty minutes of content into this twenty two minute block. Yeah, and it's just, they were in different locations and they were in different sets and the whole thing. I don't know how they really pulled it off, honestly. <laughs> there's like several um, montages. There's <laughs> there's like school bookends. I would hope for a cameo that they play. They would have played a more important role, like more integral role. Well, e- even that, uh, like we, I mentioned RuPaul, like you know, big name, especially in, in the era, is this a very secondary character in this episode, right? right? Like incredibly tertiary. That you might think that that's just the regular old extra. Adam, do you have any other comments about this uh, this piece of media lost in in the <laughs> the woodwork of? of the internet i do and this is a theory about the scene itself okay go ahead aaron if this scene takes place in keenan and kel canon you got your ancient aliens voice on <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh if <laughs> yeah <laughs> if keenan and kel really were who they said they were could kel's hair be pointing to the fact that he was placed here by extraterrestrial beings <laughs> Uh, no, uh, the answers lie in the mustard. <laughs> in the show Keenan and Kel proper, okay. Uh, if this scene is true to that canon, where are they? It might not be the mega million, like super duper sixty-four million dollar jackpot one. It might just be a couple thousand. You know, it's a winning ticket that they have, and I would like to posit that they are in a never before seen location of Kel's house. Ah, I think this is the kitchen in Kel Kimball's house. Wow, yeah, because he's making a making a sandwich, right? With all, of, I mean, he makes a sandwich at the Rock Boards and and at Rigby's, and so it's not, not really. <laughs> uh, I like that theory. Yeah, I don't think there's anything that that goes against it. Uh, my at one point I thought it might be like this is um, Keenan and Kel in college, almost is like a like a college apartment type type dealio. It was filmed far before, like you know, they're done that far the series. And the kitchen has two doors. So what college <laughs> oh, kitchen yeah, no, has two doors? Right, yeah, two, uh, what do you call it, saloon door swinging. 
Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Okay, so Kel's house. Yeah. We get an inside glimpse. It looks like any normal kitchen. <laughs> right, it's got a little island in the middle. It's being torn apart by two teenage boys. No, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think that there's definitely a, a deeper, a longer scene that, that was once here. It was hard enough uncovering this. I don't know if that longer scene will ever be uncovered. You know, we'll get to that in the, in the future. Not until we get we pay for a lifetime membership to Nickelode- or ABC Archives. <laughs> yeah. And we, we dig through the vaults. Oh, man. Aaron, you know, do you have any guess how many episodes of Superman Teenage which there are? Let me see. There's, I think there's like, what, eight, six, eight seasons? Uh, there are seven seasons. Uh, so probably like 175. Uh, real good guess. Uh, 163 with three television films. So if you break that up, you're probably like right in the money. <laughs> good one. Well, you know, it's about 24 episodes, 25 episodes per season times seven. Mm-hmm. Gives you about 175. <laughs> there's also uh, 65 episodes of an animated series. Oh. Not to mention that nowadays there's the Sabrina series on Netflix. Which is a very, uh, which is inspired by the same material, but takes a different direction with it. I, yeah. I know that there's a, uh, there's a, it's a whole season or like a special where they, the ants come back, but it's like the ants from the old canon, and it's a, it's a fun nostalgia trip. Well, that's nice. I don't know. I just feel like it gets to a point where, uh, you know, like they should try to just come up with some original ideas for TV shows. <laughs> you don't think a teenage witch is, is original? I mean, like re- reboots, like uh, oh, what, oh, are, we, are we living? Are we just living in the '90s? You know, like like yeah. '90s and '80s, and like this is it. This is the best the best creative idea was we've ever had. Yeah, I can't really uh, I can't really speak to it, but I hear that the Sabrina Netflix series goes in the horror direction. It's not like a Fuller House. They really they take a different spin on it. So does that uh, the new Jamie Fox Vampire Hunter movie? <laughs> Turned that on for about five minutes, and I was like, this this is something. <laughs> See, at least they took a risk. But yeah. vampire hunters, again, that's not a new genre. It's not a new concept. Jamie Foxx hunting vampires. All right, cool for like a couple minutes. <laughs> sure. No, I'm I'm with you. Uh, they should definitely stick to fresh IP. But it, my my take is that if they must go back to something, do a fresh spin on it. But thank you for finding that, Adam. That was very uh, the Keenan and Kel bit was definitely the best part of the episode. <laughs> uh, trust me when I say um, I did not want to do this Keenan and Kel podcast and miss this scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, every square inch of Keenan Rockmore and Kel Kimball. There's one other occasion I know of that we see Keenan Rockmore and Kel Kimball, and hopefully we'll go that there one day. But I warn you, it's on a worse show than Sabrina. <laughs> I can't wait. All right. Uh, so finally, uh, would you like to return to the Fanta Cam? Uh, I would love to. So this is a a response to a a Fanta post from last week at Cosmic Lovey DX, who mentioned that uh, hey, we should nominate Good Burger into the National Film Registry on August fifteenth. Uh, you and I, I said yes, we will, and we have uh, what have we crafted here. We have uh, a well-drafted nomination letters, essentially, that, that have uh, mine at least turned into a, a thousand-word essay. <laughs> but mine's about half that, that length, but uh, it's very, it's compact. It's condensed goodness. I, uh, I'm starting a new job next week, and, you know, like, I didn't, I didn't really, like, have, uh, <laughs> have to work, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I needed something to do, and, and here, was my, uh, here was my contribution to society in, in my day off. Yes, uh, we, we mentioned the uh, the criteria last week, but as a quick reminder, is that uh, the the film archive is looking for movies that are culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant, 
And they show the full range of American filmmaking, not just Hollywood classics or other well-known works, but like all kinds of different stuff. So they want the diversity of American culture in the Library of Congress. And I think that uh, I, I'm betting that both of us have very good takes on why Good Burger belongs there. Good takes, you know, perhaps. Uh, <laughs> thoughtful takes, sure. I think you've got the big, the bigger, better one. So I, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna start off. Okay, go ahead. I don't know about better, but bigger for sure. So yes, this is in a letter that I submitted to the Library of Congress, uh, requesting Good Burger. Good Burger 1997 is a well-crafted bite of 90s America. Special ordered for the National Film Registry. Celebrating 25 years in 2022, this Paramount picture expands a simple comedy sketch premise into a widely beloved cult phenomenon, not unlike NFR alumnus the Blues Brothers. Given only a six-month window between inception and the summer season, director Brian Robbins, now CEO of Paramount Pictures and Nickelodeon, stacked this comedy film with everything on it. The film stars two future Emmy nominees, rich with cultural capital of the era. Keenan Thompson, who just celebrated receiving a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, plays our protagonist, Dexter Reed. Apart from him is Kel Mitchell as Ed, a simple-minded fast food employee with a heart of gold. This clerks-like workplace comedy surrounds these household names with other greats from this moment in history, including 1997's blockbuster entertainment award winner for favorite supporting actor, Sinbad, three-time primetime Emmy nominee and The Godfather star, Abe Vigoda, and 2004's MTV Movie and TV Awards for Best Kiss winner, Carmen Electra. Three-time Grammy nominee George Clinton performs a dance number. Even, Sha- <laughs> Even Shaquille O'Neal marks the starter's Lakers career with a memorable cameo. None of the 1997 entries currently in the National Film Registry properly capture this period in history as well as Good Burger. Delicious neon flavors paint the sets and clothing of this film equally. Fascism-flavored toxic capitalism infests rival food chain Mondo Burger, dripping off the scenery. A brief ska revival in the 90s can be heard in full force on Gooberger's soundtrack, punctuating the vibrant atmosphere with friendly horns. From Ed's glowing orange sauce to the fast-food-freckled Burgermobile, every still from this movie begs you to reach into the film and taste it for yourself. Nothing is more American than fast food, and nothing is more fast food than Good Burger. The film asks its audience to shop shirking their responsibilities, as might Dexter Reed, and asks themselves to evaluate their own personal consumptions. Is bigger always better? Outside of the fiction of this film, it is the massive conglomerate change, the motto burgers of our world, that tend to squash the little Nickelodeon films. We spend the movie following what we at first believe are a corporate stooge, a reflection of the brainlessness of the American workplace, in a newly incarcerated middle-class vassal who, to make ends meet, considers exploiting his closest friend. Instead, we witness these two African Americans, despite all odds, reject their surrounding toxic capitalism to seize the American dream and answer the call to fight for a greater cause than their own measly paychecks. In turn, they turn to you to ask you how you deal with the monotony and instructions you follow in your own life. They throw open the doors, hop behind the counter, and ask, Welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger, can I take your order? <laughs> and that is my... Adam, that was spectacular. Thank you. You really captured that movie. Can you please post that to uh, to IMDb or to to somewhere as a review of, of Good Burger? Uh, we are planning a, uh, a blog that, that we've been threatening to for a while. I think these right. are going to be our, our top posts. That's right. On there. That's right. Absolutely. Um, uh, thank you for that. If they don't, you know... <laughs> 
say yes based on that one alone, then maybe this one might sway them. Um, although, let me say, this one is uh, roughly edited and uh, slightly inaccurate at times, um, but it certainly captures the uh, what you would want in a persuasive essay. Come, persuade me. Okay. Uh, so I start by talking about my credibility with the hubris that I might suggest this, this movie. <laughs> okay, please. Dear National Movie Registry team, I would like to nominate the 1997 Nickelodeon film Good Burger to the Library of Congress's National Movie Registry. This nomination comes 25 years after the film's air date of July 25th, 1997, a mere six weeks before I was born. As I have aged alongside this movie, so has my love for the late 1990s comedy duo of Keenan and Kel evidenced by my co-hosting of Keenan and Kel with Adam and Aaron, a podcast which has succeeded in reviewing every episode of the 90s Nickelodeon sitcom. We have also produced a three-part Good Burger review special demonstrating my time spent critically analyzing this film moment by moment, scene by scene. It is on these grounds that I am recommending Good Burger to the registry of, for its cultural significance. There are three primary reasons Good Burger should be considered as a culturally significant film. Production quality, capitalistic satire, and generational hope. From conception to air date, Good Burger took six months to come to, to fruition, and it was filmed in six weeks during March and April of 1997. This quick production was necessary on two fronts. First, the film was a gamble, so it had to be filmed alongside other projects. Keenan and Kel were young adult stars on Nickelodeon and primarily live audience TV shows, and the duo, alongside the production team, had limited, limited experience making successful motion pictures. And second, they needed the film to air as a summer blockbuster in 1997 instead of the preferred date in 1998. Remarkably, the entire team made it happen. Keenan and Kel starred in the film while simultaneously shooting season, I wrote three, which might be incorrect, <laughs> of their TV show. With a budget of $8.5 million, the film yielded $23.7 million at the box office, demonstrating the masterful work of the production team of transforming this concept, which was originally a sketch on Nickelodeon's show All That, into an internationally successful movie. Two and a half decades later, the film has become a cult classic. The work of these writers, actors, and producers has evidence of a massive staying power largely because these lovable actors seamlessly transitioned from TV to filmmaking like seasoned professionals, bringing their audience with them. Secondly, the plot of Good Burger satires larger socioeconomic themes seldom discussed in reviews or analyses, but which remain relevant today. In the film, the small restaurant named Good Burger is threatened by the opening of a tremendous new facility across the street, Mondo Burger. This establishment, with its showy signs, ambitious architecture, futuristic fashion, promising entertainment, and of course, humongous burgers, initially devastate the success of Good Burger, the little guy on the block. Reminiscent of a neighborhood diner being outcompeted into closure by a McDonald's or a Burger King, this rivalry captures the heart of capitalism in the late 20th century, behemoth franchises overshadowing small businesses, a drastic change in the structure of society at large. But with Ed's secret sauce and some good old-fashioned showmanship, Good Burger makes a comeback, albeit due to some capitalistic urges of manipulation and deceit as displayed by Dexter. This, too, a satire on the toxic nature of corruption which fuels such conquistador-esque endeavors. From the sights and sounds of Good Burger as the place of a summer job, the reality most lower to middle-class Americans face during the turn of the century until present, 
to the harsh reality of a mom-and-pop shop being crushed by a multinational franchise. Good Burger displays what many feared come the turn of the century, the power of the corporation. Threatening everyone from individuals who rely on these jobs to their loyal decades-long patrons, when we lose these establishments, we lose a part of our national identity. This film captures this reality subtly but powerfully, part of the reason millennials and Generation Y still find such deep meaning in the subliminal suggestions of this work. Lastly, this film stars Kenan Thompson playing Dexter Reed and Kel Mitchell playing Ed, the comedy duo who has been making young adult audiences laugh since they paired up on All That in 1994 and began Kenan and Kel in 1995. The film was successful not only because of the on-screen chemistry of this duo, but of the writers who supported and enabled their success, namely Kevin Coppolo, Heath Seifert, and Dan Schneider. Put together, this team knows how to make Keenan and Kel appeal to their audience, which is exactly what they did in this film. Even though Ed and Dexter's relationship was fragmented throughout the film, Ed forgave Dexter. Uh, the two end the film on good terms, friends amidst the almost tragic ending of the beloved Good Burger. Even though the world around them is changing in ways out of, even though the world around them is changing in ways far out of their control, their friendship got them through the most difficult of times. So too has it been for so many who still come back to this film year after year in an unpredictable and unjust world. The fraternal bonds of friendship and love are truly what get us through even the most horrific of global events. Good Burger reminds the viewer of a simpler time, one of summer jobs, a date with your high school crush, and the joy of doing nothing with your best friend. Nothing can shake the joy of that summer feeling, one that Keenan and Kel immortalized in this performance. In the most real sense, the entire production of Good Burger gave hope to a generation of kids from the 80s and 90s who were forced to grow up in a world they didn't ask for. Hope for friends amidst the tragic and untenable realities of working and responsibilities undesired. The nostalgia of this film is what keeps it culturally relevant and so meaningful to millions of viewers every year. The nostalgia of a simpler world, of friends amidst the chaos, of a childhood we hope our kids get to experience. Thank you for your time in considering Good Burger to the National Movie Registry. It is my belief that this remarkable film deserves its rightful place in history. Sincerely, Aaron, forever a dude. <laughs> that's very good. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, I think uh, I think that's a good one-two punch to send it, to send their way. I, I think they're uh, going to be like, "What the heck?" <laughs> Most nominations are just like, "You should do this movie because it, it rocks." <laughs> Well, I, I like that. I like that we shaped ours very differently. I wrote mine like an article. You wrote yours like a like a, a request letter from <laughs> as a beloved a, fan. Like so, there. Like, please, we're drawing a triangle here of like like you know, all these different like you know they're gonna be like oh man all these t different types of people want to see <laughs> want to see this in here. I gotta rewatch this movie now, Adam. <laughs> then um, they rewatch the movie and they're like, what the? <laughs> <laughs> no, Adam. Uh, what might be some reasons, and let's be honest here, what might be some reasons that this movie will never make the list? <laughs> I, that, that's a negative attitude, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I, I prefer well, the Adam, reasons why, 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 why it should, but... Right, well, uh, let's say, let's say it like this. Uh, those are questions that never need to be answered on this podcast. 
I mentioned it a couple times. I I called out movies that are in the Library of Congress that I think are very comparable. Uh, movies such as Clerks, which is a, a indie budget, like you know, really small, uh, a stoner comedy. <laughs> Right. essentially there's uh, th I, there's nothing that this movie doesn't achieve that that movie does uh, I guess it, it just has a, a larger audience as I guess it's a little smarter written uh, but the Blues Brothers was uh, based off an SNL skit uh, so mm. that's why I, I think that's a very good point of comparison going through Disney movies for example that uh, that have made the lists at the, the film mercy of the years uh, sure, they've got, you know, classic, like, Snow White and, you know, amazing feats of animation like those. But they also have really, like, mundane movies like Old Yeller. <laughs> Which, they revisit that on a, a show I watch called Welcome to the Basements. You can find it on YouTube. But it's it's a really nothing special, like, movie that is, I guess, just a piece of history. And that's, that's the important part. I meant it when I said uh, all the 97 movies up there, like, none of them do a good job of talking about the year 1997. Like, right. there's period pieces right. like Titanic, clearly a better movie, for sure, but it doesn't tell you, like, what it's it... It's not 1997. Yeah, it did not tell you what it was right. like it's to be cinema a... cinema of 1997, but it's not... Yeah. Right, it's... right. It doesn't take a slice of that Americana. Yeah, and, you know, that's really important for me, because I don't remember 1997. <laughs> you know, like, I was born there, right? This is I, how I, you experienced that year. Right, that was... That... I, that movie was birthed the same time I was birthed you know it's like it's it was conceived like around the same time you know like if that that movie is as old as I am mm -hmm. uh and it's like it's really cool because it is kind of this culmination of uh the ninth the 90s in Keenan and Kel in the 90s you know yeah no I agree entirely so thank you for joining us Fantas on another wonderful episode <laughs> sorry it was a short one but we had a short amount of material uh, stay tuned for our next episode. Until next time, Fantas. Thanks for hanging with us. And aww, here it goes. Thank you for listening. You can send us an email at keenancalpodcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash keenancalpodcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all at keenancalpodcast. 